everyone, and welcome to this special bonus edition of the Hall Gaming Podcast. My name is Jeremy Hall, and every week I come to you with the best gaming news. Uh, we talk about the biggest topics in gaming. We rank things. I talk about my pet peeves, all sorts of fun stuff. But I was scrolling through and realized that this year's nominees for the Game Awards had just come out. And 2020 hasn't been a great year. If you've listened to the most recent podcast uh, with my friend Caleb Callahan over at the Mind Sculptors, uh, you heard me mention how happy that I am that 2020 is coming to an end. That is true. However, we got some killer games out of this year. And we might still have Cyberpunk 2077 if it doesn't get delayed for a fourth time. But uh, as I was looking into this, I'm looking through the Game of the Year nominees, all these other categories, and I realized we had some killer games. So here's what I'm going to do. I wanted to walk through some of these major categories and look at the games that came out. And I'm actually sitting here with my computer open as I do the podcast. And I wanted to talk through a few of these games. I'm actually going to submit my votes for each uh, category while I talk to you for most of them. There's a few I'll skip, like streamers and content creators. If I don't know enough about the person to cast a good vote, I'm not going to try to say, well, I don't know. Let's just pick the third one. So, that being said, this will be a shorter episode, but here is the Game Awards categories. First, we have the big one game of the year and they have uh six nominations here they have doom eternal final fantasy 7 remake ghost of tushima i'm sure i said that wrong hades animal crossing new horizons and the last of us part two none of those games are bad now let's take a look at this Doom Eternal, Doom, I respect it as a series. I don't play it as much as some people do. Uh, if you uh, take a look at the type of stuff that I like to play, it's more the action-adventure, less the gory shooter. That doesn't mean I don't respect it, though. Doom Eternal was a beautiful game. I've seen speedrunners destroying it, and it just is fun to play. That being said... In some years, I think I could see it being Game of the Year, but not this time, because the other... Okay, four of the other five make a decent case for themselves. Final Fantasy VII Remake. I've got this game. I've watched some playthroughs of it. It's going to be one that I think I'm going to stream on Twitch at some point in the future. This game is beautiful. It's an updated version of a classic. I don't know that it's Game of the Year worthy. And that's hard. It's not Game of the Year worthy because of some of the other ones here. I'm also going to skip ahead and tell you the one other I don't think is Game of the Year worthy, and that is Animal Crossing New Horizons. I love this game, by the way. Well, I did. I played it for like two months and then dropped it. I think a lot of people did that. A lot of people were so glad to have Animal Crossing, a new console Animal Crossing, one that wasn't on the DS or the 3DS, it had been, what, since City Folk on the Wii was the last one that was actually on a TV, and only Animal Crossing on the GameCube before that, actually. So people were thrilled to have a chance to create their virtual worlds and customize it however they want, and they put a lot more customization options in this Animal Crossing than in any of the others. I just don't think it's Game of the Year worthy. 
if you're talking like family game of the year, the 110%. But stacking up to these other three, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Last of Us Part Two, it, it just doesn't stand a chance. As fun of a game as it is. Ghost of Tsushima is a beautiful game. I know I said that about most of these so far. But it feels like you are in a Japanese epic movie. It's so, so beautiful. It's an art form in and of itself. The combat is so refined and polished. When you're dueling, it's not like you're just button mashing, you know, God of Warring your way through a battle. It, there's an elegance to it. And you can go all Assassin's Creed stealth, or you can just trot, trot out in front of an enemy camp with your sword and go, who's going to face me first, and chop down a, chop down a few people before they uh, have a chance to respond. And the story of that game is incredible. But then you have Hades. Hades is kind of the, uh, the black sheep here. It is the underdog. It is the only one of these that is not put out by a huge AAA studio. It's an indie game, technically. Now, Supergiant Games has made a name for themselves with their last few games. But, I mean, if you look at the other ones here, Naughty Dog, uh, id Software, Square Enix, Sucker Punch, they don't have the clout that those places do. Nintendo. But what it does have is an incredibly engaging gameplay loop, which for people who don't like roguelikes can actually enjoy. And also, you know, dying in a roguelike is generally the frustrating part. You get as far as you can, you die, you start over, you do the grind again. But Hades makes it so fun to die because of the way it slowly rolls out its story. You die, you go back to the House of Hades, and you talk to all these different characters, and bit by bit you flesh out the story in a way that feels well-paced and so fun and so alive. And if you have experience knowing Greek mythology already, this game's going to be so much more fun for you. So Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, I think those are both great choices for Game of the Year. But The Last of Us Part Two, and I don't want to go with the cop-out answer here, but it's incredible. I only played through about the first half of this game before I had to trade in my PS4 when I was getting my PlayStation 5. Now that I have my PS5 back, I can't wait to finish this game because it's just so raw and emotional and it plays so well. And Ellie's journey is something that's just, it's an incredible experience in gaming. I somehow missed The Last of Us, the original one, until this year. And once I played through it, I was hooked. And I don't know how I missed it. I played everything else by Naughty Dog, but I missed this one. And part two takes everything that was so great about the first one. A game that didn't need a sequel. It ended on a well enough note on its own. And not only justified it, but made it even better than the first one. So, I think Ghost of Tsushima and Hades are both worthy of Game of the Year. But I'm going to cast my vote for Last of Us Part 2. And I get the feeling that this isn't the only category that th it's going to be in. So we might have this conversation a few more times. Let's go on. Best Game Direction. This is awarded for Outstanding Creative Vision and Innovation in Game Design and Direction. So, most of our options are the same. 
We've got Final Fantasy Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Last of Us Part 2, and Half-Life Alyx. Now, Half-Life Alyx was a VR, is a VR exclusive game. Like, you have to have a computer and a VR headset to play this game. I do have an Oculus Quest 2 now that I can connect to my gaming computer, and so Half-Life is on my list to get. I haven't played it yet, but I have heard that it revolutionizes VR. Absolutely does. Last of Us Part 2, same thing I said before. Their creative vision is insane. Hades has the loop. I think Final Fantasy VII Remake is the only one that doesn't really have a great shot here. And once again, that's not because it's a bad game. That's just because we've seen this before. I want to say Last of Us Part Two, but having not played Half-Life Alyx, in recognizing how incredible of a game Hades is, I think I'm going to go with Ghost of Tsushima on this one. Because just the way this game is presented, every side mission feels like an epic samurai adventure from an old movie. The way the art style was presented, the leaves blowing in the wind, the fact that your marker is just the wind blowing behind you that you get to come on its own. You can play the whole game in black and white like a samurai epic. I... I think Last of Us deserves this as well, but I'm going to go with Ghost of Tsushima because for game direction, it just knocked it out of the park in a way I haven't seen before. Okay, so best narrative. For outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game, we have 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim, which I am actually not familiar with. So if this game is listed for best story, I'm going to have to take a look and check this out. Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, and Last of Us Part Two. Final Fantasy VII Remake has an incredible story, I'm not going to lie. And I don't mean to be hating on Final Fantasy VII. I think it loses a few points here because it's really part one of a game, and it wraps it up well, like it's its own story, but we know there's part two coming. I mean, the PS1 game went across four discs, and this game basically covered the tutorial and intro area, so there's going to be more coming. Ghost of Tsushima has an incredible narrative, like I said, and Last of Us Part 2, just Ellie's story and how emotional and gripping it is. I think it deserves it, but Hades, I was praising Hades for storytelling in and of itself. So here's what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to give... Uh, I want to give this one to both Hades and The Last of Us, and I have to pick one. I'm going to pick Hades because of the new and innovative way that it rolls out the story procedurally. However, if Last of Us Part 2 wins this one, I would not be disappointed in the slightest. So there's Hades. Alright, we have our first few here. Best Art Direction, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Ori and the Will of the Whips. And Last of Us Part 2. All of these are beautiful games. All of these. And I think that Last of Us realistically could sweep in every category. But I'm going Ghost of Tsushima on this because it was such a beautiful game. Such a beautiful game. Okay, best score in music. 
for outstanding music, inclusive of score, original song, and or licensed soundtrack. Doom Eternal, they had a heavy metal choir in this game. Like, I think, like, some, like, dude from death metal bands, I think one of the guys from Trivium was in there, like, they had a heavy metal score, which is right up my alley. Final Fantasy VII Remake, Square Enix makes such beautiful games. If you've played the, the Kingdom Hearts games, if you've played other more recent Final Fantasies, you know that, oh, the music hits you. Hades? Hades has a really good score. And one of the features in the game is that you can buy and unlock songs to listen to. I think it's incredible. I would buy the Hades soundtrack on vinyl and enjoy it. I don't think it's better than some of these others. Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Uh, I played the first Ori. Its music was beautiful. I haven't played the sequel yet. I just I can't vote for this one over some of the others. And Last of Us Part Two. The composition is so beautiful and raw in these games. And one of the main points is Ellie learning to play the guitar and playing it through her journey. So once again, I think Last of Us is justified here. Huh. I'm going to go Final Fantasy VII Remake on this one. I'm finally going to give it its due, send in a vote for it. But I think there's, I think that all these games are good choices. Best Audio Design. Doom Eternal, Half-Life Alex, Ghost of Tsushima, Resident Evil 3, and Last of Us Part 2. Half-Life Alex, I understand, makes it feel like you're in the game. So props off to them. But this one, I've got to give it to Last of Us. I haven't played the Resident Evil 3 remake yet. I'm a bit of a scaredy cat when it comes to horror games, so I've got to, you know, gear up a little bit and get into it. But this one is going to Naughty Dog, as I think most of these realistically could. <sighs> now this one's hard. Best performance. Awarded to an individual for voiceover acting, motion, and or performance capture. You have Ashley Johnson as Ellie in The Last of Us Part 2. Laura Bailey as Abby in The Last of Us Part 2. Dasuk... Tijui, oh, I'm sure I messed that up, sir, and I'm sorry, as Jin Sakai in Ghost of Tsushima, Logan Cunningham as Hades, in Hades, and Najee Jeter as Miles Morales in Spider-Man's Miles Morales. Okay, all these are incredible nominees. And Logan Cunningham's work in Hades is so spot on. He really captures it, not in the Disney, you know, uh, old-time sales pitch sort of way that they did with Hades, which is a classic in and of itself, but it brings the God of the Dead to life. I've got to go with Ashley Johnson as Ellie, though. This might be a bit because of her work in the first two, which isn't fair, but she carries all the persona of Ellie so well, and she only doubled down on that in part two. So, Ashley Johnson, you've got my vote for best performance. Let's see what happens with that. All right. Next, we have games for impact. And I'm ashamed. I haven't played any of these. Uh, if Found by Dreamfell. Kentucky Route Zero TV Edition for Cardboard Computer. Spiritfarer by Thunder Lotus Games. Tell Me Why by Don't Nod Entertainment and Xbox Game Studios. And Through the Darkest of Times by Paint Bucket Games. The 
only one of these that I'm familiar with is Tell Me Why, because I saw it in the reveal uh, for the Xbox Series X and some of their uh, videos they've done. But I'm not going to vote on this one, because this is for a thought-provoking game with a pro-social meaning or message. And I need to give these games a, ch a chance. So I'm not voting here. I'm going to scroll on down. And I'm going to come back to some of these and look them up and see if I can't try playing them. They need to have their fair chance. Alright, Best Ongoing Series. Awarded to a game for outstanding development of ongoing content that evolves the player experience over time. So this is your subset communities of like the ongoing games. You've got Apex Legends which has a small but dedicated community. Destiny 2, which is where our good friends Bungie have been working for some time. We're carrying on into the next generation. Call of Duty Warzone. You all know what it is. Fortnite. You also know what it is. And No Man's Sky. Now, I'm not a part of any of these communities. Although... I have to point out that No Man's Sky, it took them so many years, but they have finally turned the game into approximately what they promised when it came out. I remember being so hyped for No Man's Sky. I pre-ordered it, I read the magazine articles, I watched the preview. It was an open universe game. And then I got it, and it was simultaneously the biggest game that I have ever played. In the emptiest. Like, there was nothing to it. I came back to No Man's Sky earlier this year after they've released, like, four major updates to it and a plethora of smaller ones. And now it's more like the game I expected. There's actually stuff to do. There's settlements. You can build your own. You can actually connect with your friends in the game. It feels more alive. Fortnite Fortnite has been adding content left and right through this, uh, not to mention the fact that they've been in a legal battle with Apple recently. We might cover that in a future show. Uh, but as annoyed people are with it, I think that Epic Games handles their ongoing content really well. This game could have easily died, but the amount of content they pump out and the fact that there's something new almost every week in the game, good job on them. Destiny, when stuff comes out, it's usually pretty great, but it can be hit or miss. Apex, small but dedicated. And then Call of Duty Warzone, which is kind of the hot thing right now. I think it's between Call of Duty and Fortnite, which is a statement that I didn't think I was going to have to say. <sighs> I'm going to give it to Warzone with a nod of the hat towards Fortnite. It might not be my thing to play regularly, but... Epic does a good job, but Infinity War, you've got this one, and with the way that it looks like Cold War's multiplayer is panning out, or rather a lack thereof, I think you're still going to see plenty of interacting for quite some time. Best Indie Game. You got Carrion by Phoebe Game Studios and Devolver. Carrion is basically, if, uh, if Among Us is like the thing in the sense that it's the uh, the distrust between people and the monster is among you, <laughs> joke, uh, Carrion is basically what happens if the thing was able to get out. It eats everything in its path, it gains new abilities, uh, 
it's so incredible, so fun of a game, and the puzzles are actually really intriguing to where you have to grow and shrink your size, depending on what you're trying to do. <sighs> Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout's the next one. Oh, this one hurts. Fall Guys was a great concept. It was so much fun for like a day, but then they didn't keep the content coming well enough, I don't think. Uh, I don't think we're going to forget about it, but I think it's going to keep fading away. They're adding new content, it just hasn't come quickly enough, and they're trying to keep it going, like Twitch is doing their Twitch Rivals thing. Uh, even if there's a recent thing where XQ XQC was caught uh, stream sniping against some of the other competitors and got banned from Twitch for a little while. Uh, Hades, I've been blessing on that game all day. Spelunky 2, which is supposed to be amazing, and Spiritfarer, which is one of those earlier games I didn't play yet. For me, it's between Carrion and Hades, with an acknowledgement that Spelunky 2 is an incredible game, and if it was more my speed, or if I had played it more, that might get my vote. I'm going with Hades, I need to tip my hat to one of my favorite games this year. I put way more time into it than I should, so Hades, congratulations, best indie. At least for me. Best mobile, you got Among Us, and we're voting for Among Us. Now, to be fair, the other ones is Call of Duty Mobile, Geshin Impact, which is Legend of Zelda JRPG ripoff, Legends of Runeterra, and Pokemon Cafe Mix, which I forgot was a thing. I'm not saying these other games aren't good. Call of Duty Mobile, cool, you got something on mobile, but Among Us even though it's came out like two years ago, has captured the world in a way that very few other things have. And it's given people some chance at connection in a year where that's been pretty much gone. So Among Us, hands down, you've got my vote. Best Community Support. Recognizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency, and responsiveness. Inclusive of social media activity and game updates and patches. Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Fall Guys, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, and Valorant. Now, we've talked about most of these games before, with the exception of Valorant. And I'm giving this one to No Man's Sky. Fall Guys, you can knock off the list right off the bat, with the exception of being inclusive of social media activity. Because whoever runs their Twitter is a freaking genius. Like, it is hilarious. Like, the, the guy who usually runs the Twitter went on vacation for two weeks, and so he set up, an, a like, the Beanbot account, and it was like this robot was controlling it. And, oh, they had so much fun with it. And, you know, if you ignore all the comments saying dead game underneath, it's actually, they have a good social media presence. The team, the size of Devolver, though, and Mediatonic should have been able to keep up with updates. Destiny 2, community rallies around them. Uh, Apex Legends actually has a really good shot at this because of the tight-knit community around them. Fortnite, same reasons as we said before, but No Man's Sky actually listened to their community, was responsive, and it took them a few years to get here, but they have rebuilt this game basically from the ground up to be what they initially promised and more. So No Man's Sky, best community support. Alright, what is our next one? We have Best VR or AR. So for the best game experience playable in virtual or augmented reality, irrespective of platform. 
So this is looking at any PC ones, whether it's through uh, the HTC Vive or an Oculus platform or the PSVR, just where the best experience is. You have Dreams by Media Molecule, Half-Life Alyx, Marvel's Iron Man VR, Star Wars Squadrons, and The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. All five of these are supposed to be really good games. Star Wars Squadrons finally feels like an old-school Star Wars TIE Fighter or Rogue Squadron type of game, and it's fully AR playable, uh, VR, sorry, in the cockpit. Walking Dead, it's supposed to be pretty fun from what I've heard. Iron Man, you actually feel like Iron Man when you're playing. But Half-Life Alyx, like I said earlier, has so revolutionized VR for people that it has shown a whole new level of what it's capable of. Like I said, I haven't personally downloaded and played it yet, but off of word of mouth and reading about people's experiences alone, Half-Life Alyx gets the vote. And which, by the way, I would love, but before we go any farther, to hear your thoughts on these things in the Discord. I'm going to go and post a link to these awards, and based off of what you guys see here, what I'm saying is I kind of process through this live, because I haven't really seen this before, this uh, recording. Tell me what you think. If you agree with me, if you don't, if they completely missed a game that should have been there, I don't know. So hop on, chat the Discord uh, under Goon Studios. You can find it on our socials. I would love to see what you guys think. All right, now this one is a fun one. I am so glad that this category is here. Innovation and accessibility. Recognizing software and or hardware that is pushing the medium forward by adding features, technology, and content to help games be played and enjoyed by an even wider audience. So for people who have no problems accessing games, this doesn't mean much to you. It's the type of person that opens up and when they see a recent game that has all these options like uh, if you're colorblind, click this to see things better. Uh, if you need the text bigger, click this. People go, oh, you know, whatever, you just get past those menus. But for so many people who have different struggles than the majority of us, having this level of accessibility is incredibly helpful. Uh, I was on a stream. One of my favorite streamers is a dude named Architect. You should check him out on Twitch. He is incredible. He's funny. Does have quite a bit of language, so there's a warning there. But he is just a good dude. And I was in his chat uh, last week, and uh, they were starting to play through Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And it popped up basically where you could have the game read the text in the menus to you. And some dude hops in the chat and is just being a total jerk. He's like, oh, so what kind of a gut blind gamer is trying to play games? Why is this here? You tell me. You know, he's just being a troll. But there are people, for example, dyslexia is a thing, if you didn't know that. And having those types of options so that almost anyone could play a game it's insane. It's incredible. It's something that we need so that this hobby that we love can be opened up to so many more people. So getting off of my soapbox, I think that's a good one to be on. You have the aforementioned Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Grounded, Hyperdot, The Last of Us Part 2, and Watch Dogs Legion. The first thing I have to mention is hats off to Ubisoft. They're on here twice with their two biggest games of the year. 
I haven't played Legion yet because I'm waiting for the PS5 launch in a few more days. But Valhalla, I have been playing through like a madman. And they did a killer job having so many optional features and things set up that I think almost anyone could play this game. And if it wasn't for The Last of Us Part Two being on this list, I would give it hats off to Valhalla. But when I started up The Last of Us, I was blown away by how much Naughty Dog had done to make this game accessible to anyone. It's crazy. I could do a whole episode on how I think The Last of Us Part Two is going to change accessibility in the future. So with all that being said, Every single game here deserves your support for the fact alone that they went way out of their way to make this as accessible to as many people as possible. But Last of Us Part 2 gets the vote. Valhalla is a very close second. Best Action Game. For the best game in the action genre focused primarily on combat, we have Doom Eternal again, which I think this is the place for it. Hades, Half-Life Alyx, Neo 2, and Streets of Rage 4, which, by the way, we're getting a new Streets of Rage game in 2020. Like, what, what happened there? Like, I think that's incredible, but that just came out of the blue for me. I'm going hands down with Hades, though I think you could make an incredibly good argument for Doom Eternal. This is where that game shines. I wouldn't be shocked at all if it wins it, and I would say, well done, you deserve it. But I love Hades so much as that action, roguelike, beat-em-up type of game. Hades gets my vote. And I think a lot of you could say, I disagree with you there, and I would say that's fair. Best action adventure. Oh, this one's so hard. I said that about a few categories. But action-adventure is my bread and butter. Like, this is where I live. So, you have Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Ubisoft Montreal's most recent Viking entry in the Assassin's Creed franchise. They've knocked it out of the park. I'm still warming up to it a bit because I loved Odyssey so, so much. But they brought this series back from the brink of being beat into the ground with year-after-year sequel took the time to invest in it the way it needed to, and made some beautiful games, historically accurate games, that really immerse you in their world. Ghost of Tsushima, once again, they killed it with the combat. Killed it. Spider-Man Miles Morales. I have this game. I've been waiting to play it on stream. And it's killing me. But I played the first Spider-Man for PS4, and they've improved upon this in so many ways. It deserves its spot. Ori and the Will of the Wisps is the only one on this list I don't really think has a chance. It's a good game. It's a fun game. It's, it's, it's an action-adventure game. But I think against the stiff competition it has, it doesn't have a chance. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. You might as well have called it Star Wars Dark Souls, because this is how the game plays. It's just not as brutally difficult, but it's more like Dark Souls than you would think. It's a fun game. It's canonical. It's a blast to play, and it fills in more of that time between Episode 3 and Episode 4. I think it's an incredible game. And then you have Last of Us Part 2 one more time. You know, I'm so torn on this one. Like, Star Wars Fallen Order, well done game, 
but I think we can set that aside beside Will of the Wisps. I think this comes down to three incredible PS4 and PS5 exclusives in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which shows you how much Sony is banking on these exclusives and making them so, so good. That was one of the strengths I said about the P uh, the PS5 back in Episode 1, and you can see it here represented. Like, when it comes to exclusives, single-player, action-adventure-type games, they kill it. <sighs> I think any of these four deserve it. I'm going to give the nod to Last of Us Part Two here because it's such an insane game, it deserves it. And I... I think the other three follow up very closely behind. Like, well done to every game in the action-adventure category. <laughs> Role-playing. Final Fantasy VII Remake. Geshin Impact, which, like I said before, is a free-to-play free JRPG Breath of the Wild ripoff. Like, if you jump into this game, you might want, well, one, if you like this type of game, you'll enjoy it. But two, you're going to go, holy crap, they ripped off Zelda. Yes, they did. 110%. But it is, this is for the best game designed with rich character, player character customization and progression, including MMO experiences. Gashin Impact has that. It counts. Persona 5 Royal, the re-release of Atlas Studios' incredible game. And I'm going to give away my vote right now. Persona 5 Royal is in my top three games of all time. And honestly, at the moment, it is my number one favorite game of all time. So I'm going to just tell you now, I'm voting for Persona 5 Royal. That's straight up me. We also have Wasteland 3 and Yakuza Like a Dragon. I think there's some good ones here. For me, it would come down to Final Fantasy 7 Remake if Persona wasn't here. But Persona blows just about every single other RPG out of the water for me. Especially JRPGs. Such an incredible game. Go play it if you haven't. Get ready to sink 100 hours into this game. It's a bit of a slow burn. But oh my goodness, so much fun. So much fun. Best fighting game for the best game designed primarily around head-to-head -head combat. Now, I don't play a lot of spite fighting games, but I can respect them. I think a lot of that is because I was an only child growing up, and so I never really had anybody else to play with. And if you kind of jump into the online modes on any of these games and don't know what you're doing, you get your butt blown to Kingdom Come. That being said, we have Grand Blue Fantasy Versus by Arc System Works. The ever-stable Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate by NetherRealm Studios and Warner Brother Games. Street Fighter V Champion Edition, One Punch Man, A Hero Nobody Knows, and Under Night in Birth EXE. Late. CLR. That's the whole name, actually. I don't... Like, what is that name? Like, I'm sure it's a good game if it's here, but, like, it looks like they just started throwing words at the wall and waited to see what would stick. Under Night in Birth EXE, Late CLR. Okay. French bread, okay. Uh, I think this one has to go to Mortal Kombat 11. I don't think it's everybody's cup of tea. Like, it's so gratuitously violent, and that's only gotten more so as it's gotten more photorealistic. They haven't curved back at all. And I think Street Fighter V Champion Edition has a really good chance at this as well. 
Uh, Capcom kills it with the Street Fighter franchise, has for decades. Mortal Kombat, NetherRealm's been killing that as well. I think just due to the wide adoption of it, Mortal Kombat's gotta be my vote. Uh, not an endorsement of the brutal combat, but I'm not saying it's not fun. Just don't play it in front of your kids. Best Family Game. Now, this one's a little bit harder for me, too. For the best game appropriate for family play, irrespective of genre or platform, a.k.a. not Mortal Kombat. So you have Animal Crossing New Horizons, Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, I don't know if I'd count this next one quite as a full-fledged game, but Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, this is the one where you have an actual remote-controlled car, and you kind of play like an AR version of uh, Mario Kart through your Switch. You set up actual checkpoints and flags, and then your Switch controls the RC car around your house, and there's a camera that basically makes Mario the animated version, and you get the power-ups and stuff, and you do real races in a real house. Minecraft Dungeons and Paper Mario the Origami King. All good games. Uh, for me, I think this comes down between Animal Crossing, Paper Mario, and Crash Bandicoot. Animal Crossing, oh, such a fun game. I think for family, I think it's the best one. Crash Bandicoot 4, Crash Bandicoot is my jam. I love Crash Bandicoot. It was the first game I ever played, and I'm so, so excited that they finally made a proper new one. And then the Paper Mario game. They uh, the, the highlight of the series was Thousand Year Door and Super Paper Mario kind of behind that. But Paper Mario has always had such a good, quick-witted writing style about it, even if it does have some weird circular combat thing going on in the Origami King. I think as an adult playing a kid's game, Paper Mario would take it by far. I think as a nostalgia game, for me personally, Crash Bandicoot would take it. But if I'm going for the best family game for this year, I somewhat begrudgingly have to vote Animal Crossing, even though I really want it to be Crash Bandicoot. So Animal Crossing... I said earlier that you would probably take a family game, so congratulations, there's your vote. Best sim or strategy game. Now, I don't play these real-time or turn-based combat games or simulation very often, but when I do get into one, I quite enjoy it. So we have Crusader Kings 3, Desperados 3, Gears Tactics, which is a Gears of War spinoff, Microsoft Flight Simulator, and XCOM Chimera Squad. This hands down, hands down, goes to Crusader Kings 3. It is such an incredible game. Like, gets you hooked on the level of Civ 6. Great game. You take, an, you take a ruler, you build your dynasty, you can customize it down to arranging marriages and world events and building alliances behind the scenes like you are a medieval king and when you die your heir takes over and you keep playing as them so you're not just strategizing it's not like civilization where you're gandhi and you're going to rule for four thousand years as gandhi 
and probably nuke someone because you're Gandhi. No, in this one, you're planning two, three generations down the line. Not just how am I going to rule, but how am I going to set up my heirs to, okay, maybe I won't rule all of Europe in my lifetime, but my grandson could if I set up the right marriages and alliances. That is so, so, so cool. So Crusader Kings 3 Paradox Development Studio, congratulations. Vote now. Next one we've got here is Best Sports and Racing Game. Dirt 5, F1 2020, FIFA 21, NBA 2K21, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Now, I'm not huge into racers personally, and I don't really follow football. The, the rest of the world kind of football that FIFA has. So for me, it's between NBA 2K21 and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And I think NBA 2K is a fun game. They did a good job with it. Uh, rest in peace, Kobe. They did a lot of stuff honoring him with this. But Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, they not just resurrected a cl two classic games from the nostalgia, they updated it and made it incredible. So Vicarious Visions is going to take this one. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. And finally, this might be the last one we do because we're starting to get to those content creator categories that I'm not as familiar with. Best Multiplayer. Animal Crossing New Horizons. Fun game. You want to show off your island to other people. The problem is that the Nook Airlines way that they have of visiting everyone is so busted. Like, you have to get everything synced up. Nintendo's friend code system isn't helping anything. And then what happens is you get on your plane, and it stops the game for you, and it stops the game for every single person on the island. While it has this animation of you flying in and landing and getting off, and, you know, everyone waves. It does this individually for every person. And it also does the same thing when anybody leaves. So, I mean, if there's just two or three of you playing, it can be frustrated, but once everybody's frustrating, but you're on the island, you're there, you play. But if you're actually having a bit of an open house on your island, you can't get jack squat done because you have eight people coming and going every second, and you're spending more time watching this invisible plane fly in than you are fishing or building or doing anything. Next, we have Among Us, the incredible game that took the world by storm. Call of Duty Warzone, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, and Valorant. I think this comes down to Among Us or Call of Duty, and I've got to go with Among Us, especially for the impact that it's had on the world this year. Uh, Fall Guys, you could have been there, but you just you didn't have what it needed. You didn't have the social connection. You didn't have the uh, continued content till it was too late. I'm sorry. Uh. I will go with Content Creator of the Year. I don't know most of these people. Uh, Elena Pierce, Jay Ann Lopez, Nick Merce, Merks, Tim the Tatman, and Valkyrie. I need to watch all five of these people, but Tim the Tatman has been blowing it up this year. So just for everything that's been going on with him, Tim the Tatman, you've got it. In uh, Best Debut Game, for the best debut game created by a new independent studio... I only know two of these five, but it's enough for me to vote. We have Carrion, the Thing-like game I mentioned earlier that uh, Phobia Game Studio and Devolver knocked out of the park. I don't know Mortal Shell. I don't know Raji and Ancient Epic. And I don't know Roki. 
but I'm voting for Phasmophobia. We talked about this in our last episode, our last main episode, when uh, Callahan was on. But oh my goodness, the fact that this level of a game, like I said, was created by one dude, and that it's in this early access, and it has as few bugs as it has, and he's still pumping out new content and fixing things, plus the way that it lets you connect with your friends, not just in exploring, but also in the fact that the game recognizes your voice and responds to that with the ghost, absolutely Phasmophobia deserves this. And I can see it if Carrion gets it. I haven't played the other three. But if Phasmophobia doesn't win this one, I'll be so, so, so disappointed. So we got a few other uh, ones here. We have Best Esports Athlete. I don't really know uh, what's going on there. Also, the Best Esports Coach. I'm going to pass. Best Esports Events. Uh... This one would probably come down to Call of Duty League Championship or League of Legends World Championship uh, just because they hype it up so much. You also have uh, Overwatch League Grand Finals, uh, Blast Premier Spring 2020 Finals, which is for Counter-Strike Go, uh, and also uh, IEM Catawice 2020, which is also Counter-Strike. So probably Call of Duty or League of Legends I could see for this one. Uh... Best Esports Game. This one comes down to Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, Fortnite, League of Legends, and Valorant. These are all huge games. Huge, huge, huge games. I think it could go pretty well to any of these five. Counter-Strike, well done Valve for keeping this relevant for so long. I'm going to pass it off to League of Legends. I'd probably do Call of Duty if it was uh, the actual Battle Royale version, but Modern Warfare just really wasn't doing it for me. So, League of Legends, well done. We're going to skip uh, Esports Host, because once again, I don't really know them. Esports uh, Team, just the same. So, once again, that is the Game Award categories. And uh, to go back all the way, all the way up to the top, uh, I think the biggest game of this year by far was Last of Us Part Two, and I think it deserves it. I think it deserves it so, so, so much. But once again, look at what we had. We had Last of Us, Hades, Ghost of Tsushima, Final Fantasy, a new Doom game, killer new games like Hades and Phasmophobia. Among Us got noticed, apparently. Uh, Half-Life Alyx brought VR into the next century. Like, there's so, so, so many good games that came out this year, which I really think is a good thing because we were all kind of stuck at home all year and didn't really have much else to do. So, I want to know, once again, what are your thoughts? Do you agree with this? Do you disagree with it? Uh, is there a game that should have been included that wasn't? I don't know. Let me know what you think. And above everything else, you can catch the uh, live reveals of who won uh, coming up on let's see when this thing is streaming when is this thing streaming i want to say december 10th question mark uh i know it's going to be on youtube on twitch a lot of people are co-streaming this thing i think i'm actually planning on co-streaming it yes 
Thursday, December 10th, the Game Awards will be live. Uh, if you find my Twitch channel, Xenix68, on Twitch, it will be live by then. And I'm intending to hop on and co-stream this live to kind of give reactions as we go along. And uh, obviously they aren't going to do it in a physical location. So this is going to be all online just like everything else has been. Uh, but uh, December 10th, Thursday, December 10th, tune in, check out their channel, check out mine. I think it's going to be a good time. Uh, once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this extra bonus episode of uh, Hall Gaming Podcast. If you haven't followed us online on our Apple Podcast page or on our socials, uh, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Discord, on Facebook. I would love for you to hop in, follow along with what we're doing, uh, and just uh, tell me what you think. This community will grow because of the engagement that all of you have with it. Uh, and finally, make sure you check out our other Goon Studios podcast, the Nonsensical Podcast with my good friends Nate and Sam. They're great guys. They've been killing it. They're talking about just about everything under the sun. So go give them a listen if you haven't yet. You can find us both in the same Discord. Uh, once again, thank you so much. Everybody have a wonderful rest of your day, and I will return next week with a regular episode of the Hall Gaming Podcast.